everybody. Welcome to the Energy News Beat Podcast. My name's Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group. You know, energy poverty is a real thing, but not only that, we have to be able to get people out of poverty, period. And there are some programs around the United States as we talk about EVs, we talk about cars, internal combustion cars. We have a very special guest today. I have Martin Schwartz, and he is the president at Vehicles for Change. And I am very impressed with their uh, not-for-profit, and we want to cover what they're doing. Welcome, Martin, and thanks for stopping by the podcast. Absolutely, Stu. Happy to be here. Thank you for the invite. I'll tell you, for our podcast listeners, you've got a great picture for a backdrop, and you got a guy working on a car. Tell us about what Vehicles for a Change actually is. Yeah, um, so Vehicles for Change, we launched this program back in 1999, and we really address... Yeah, in a couple of days, we'll be 25 years old. Wow. Um, so well, very exciting year coming up. Uh, also for our podcast listeners, for us good-looking guys on this podcast, we have the same hairline, and we're both uh, peeling out glasses in order to look at this. So uh, even though his company, his uh, not-for-profit is 25 years old, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, not by a long shot. Been right, a long so time I didn't since mean I to cut you off. Sorry. Uh, so go so, ahead. Yeah. So Vehicles for Change really addresses two of the major issues that impact generational poverty, transportation and incarceration. Oh, so when we launched the program back in 99, our, our main focus was to address the transportation issue that families have in gaining a job, and that's getting a car. And so we take donated cars, and unlike 99.9% of the organizations that take donated cars across the country, we actually, the good cars, we actually repair and then we work with organizations throughout Maryland and Northern Virginia that are domestic violence programs, job training programs, rehabilitation programs, and they identify for us the individual who needs a car to get out of poverty. And so we sell them a car. It's not, it's a hand up, not a handout. They, they pay $950 for their car, but wow. we guarantee a loan for them. So they get a loan through a local bank. So they establish credit while they're paying for their car and they get a six month, 6,000 mile warranty with their car. So we make sure that the car stays on the road while they're getting back on their feet. And they can bring their car back to any one of our four locations and get it repaired at our cost as long as they own the car. Wow. How sweet is that? Because that is such a problem. I've had family members go all of a sudden they're getting their they're on their feet again. And it was a problem getting a car. Right. And then the car breaks down and you're yeah. making, you know, minimum wage. You're trying to make ends meet. And you got and now child you can't care. Get your car you fixed. got to feed. You got it. You know, you got inflation. Right. Uh, I, I don't want to use the word Bidenomics because it might, you know, get the show thrown off the air. But, <laughs> you know, if, if, if it applies. Right. <laughs> yeah. So then the other piece of our program is, is that in 2016, we launched what we call the Full Circle Auto Repair and Training Center. So as we were developing our program, we thought, you know, why don't we train individuals to be mechanics? We have this great facility. We could get the cars fixed at a less expensive cost because now we're using them as training devices. So now we train individuals with multiple barriers to employment, most of whom are coming right out of incarceration to be auto mechanics. Wow. How cool is this? This is really neat because the guy, people need another break when they, no matter how they are. How did you come up with uh, you starting this? How did you get this rolling? Because this is a heavy lift. 
This is not something lightweight. Yeah. So um, I always tell people that that I really didn't have a choice. Um, somehow a, a power higher than myself decided this is what I was going to do. I was in athletics most of my life. I was a high school baseball and soccer coach. I coached college baseball. I was the associate athletic director for development at UMBC in Maryland. Um, nice. Left there in 96, started my own company, which was an internet-related business, which in 1996 was a dumb idea because nobody knew what the heck the internet was <laughs> other than me. And I thought, well, hey, everybody should know what the internet is. Um, yep. And that was an athletic-related business. So in, in 98, I literally ran into this company called Precision Serta Pro. They were trying to figure out how to get cars in the hands of low-income families. They wanted to build this nonprofit within their organization. And we had a conversation one day and they said, why don't you come do this? And I said, I got nothing else to do right now. So uh, let's do it. And that's how this whole thing got started. I mean, it was, you know, the car idea was not my idea. Right. The, The way we developed it and, you know, all the pieces, the loan and the, the, um, the, the charging them for the car, providing them with the warranty, all of that you know, was was what I developed as for the organization. But the idea of, hey, let's get these cars and get them to families was not my idea. The The training program was my idea. And then most recently, we launched what we call VFC VR, where we're now using virtual reality to train auto mechanics. No way. <laughs> yes, cool. it is. It is incredibly cool. cool. Okay. I am looking at your reach that you have done on this, and I want to do the reach versus the need. Uh, The reach is you've done over 7,500 cars on your website, and that's probably, and then 25,000 people you've helped. And then you take a look at, you need 81,000 homes with loan income that are in the area and 135,000. That's that's a lot of people you can still help. Yeah, it's uh, the the need, you know, transportation when we started this program was the number one barrier to employment for families living in poverty. If you think about the the way the US is set up in neighborhoods, right? We have these neighborhoods all over the country whether you're in a rural area, whether you're in an urban area, it doesn't make any difference. You think about people who live in poverty, they all live in the same neighborhood. Right. right. And they're locked in those neighborhoods and they're locked in poverty by a lack of transportation. If, if, if you live in those impoverished neighborhoods, a lot of times there's no public transportation coming to or from those neighborhoods. Right. So there's no way that they're getting a job. Their children aren't getting a job. Their children's children aren't getting employed because you can't right. get there. So I always tell people I can go down to the most impoverished neighborhood in Baltimore City and I can give everybody a Ph.D. And guess what? None of them are going to work because they right. can't get there. So. Right. The most valuable tool you can give to somebody living in poverty is a car before before training, before education, before anything. And, um, and then you tied the facilities and you encompass the entire circle on this project. So you have the training available if that is down somebody's road, you know, or if it's in their wheelhouse. You know, I, I miss my 43 willies, uh, you know, because. <laughs> Uh, that was an old flathead that I actually knew how to work on. And, uh, you know, it kind of tells you my age. <laughs> yeah, that technology has changed just a little bit. Yeah. You know, the electric vehicles, uh, I, old um, Tesla has a recall on almost all of them. I'm wondering if we can't get Elon on the phone and have him set up a a whole branch for you wow. to get people to donate. Wouldn't that be fun? 
That just, would be amazing. How do we get you nationwide? Is it just a money issue or is there a way to franchise out your, your, how do we, how do we get more of these? Cause yeah, this is absolutely. Good. So our, our goal, actually, we're focused on um, opening 20 new locations in the next five years. Nice. So we are, and, and the virtual reality that we develop, we are putting into prisons, high schools, you know, cause there's a big push right now in high schools to have more CTE program. How cool is that? Yeah. So think about if you wanted to put an automotive training program, a, a typical automotive training program in a high school, yep. the first year cost alone is over a half a million dollars. And that's if you have a building with a 20 foot ceiling. I can put a virtual reality training program in a high school for $30,000 and train 60 to 80 people a year. And they don't wow. need a teach. They don't need an instructor. They don't need equipment. They don't need any cars. They don't need oil. They don't have gas smell. They don't have any of those issues. But and I can train people training. using virtually. And I have employers, you know, saying that this is great training. Um, so we've got it, you know, we've got wow. it coming from a variety of dealerships and, and um, you know, garage owners that say, hey, this is great training and I'll hire somebody that has this kind of training. So the certification means something. Yes, it it's does. not. Here's the, there's a couple of things going on. I'm sorry for getting back, you know, Martin, I'm just excited about this. And that is, um, we're working on getting our homeschooling, uh, for all of our podcasts and our energy because there's so much different information out there. What's the right mm -hmm. information about energy? Yeah. Is, is it wind? Is it solar? Is it carbon? Is it this? And there's just all kinds. We need to use all kinds of energy in order to get elevate out of energy poverty homeschooling and virtual training is even more critical now. And e I'm sitting here thinking virtual and home training would be even more important if you can't get to school somewhere or if you can even, can't even get to a vocational school, this is, you're still back at square one. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it's difficult. I mean, you think about, you know, one of the things that we, we see particularly for individuals coming out of incarceration, right, is very often they have to go to parole and probation. Well, how are they going to get there, right? I mean, that's a challenge. <laughs> is, how, how do I get to parole and probation? And then part of your parole and probation a lot of times is you have to get a job. Well, how am I going to get a job if there's no way to get there? Wow. This is not, a, this is the worst part of a catch 22, isn't it? It sure is. I mean, people don't realize, you know, you and I, I'm talking for you, but I get up in the morning, I go out, I put the key in my car, I turn it, and I drive to work. Yeah. And when my kids were little and they had soccer practice or we're in the area for lacrosse, there's lacrosse practice, yeah. we drove them to practice. So when you think about, you know, even if a single mom and a lot of the folks that get cars from us are single mothers, on average, before they get their car, they're taking the bus for 90 to 120 minutes a day to get back to get to work and then get home. Right. That so think about the overall stew, the impact of that. Right. I've got to get my kids up, number one, at four o'clock in the morning so I can get them to daycare. Right. And I'm doing it on the bus. And then at night, I've got to take the bus all the way backwards. So now I got to pay extra because my kid can't get out of daycare until 630 because it took me an hour and a half to get there. And if the kids are in school, now we have kids at home from three o'clock in the afternoon until wow. seven o'clock at night when mom gets home. So wow. you hear all over the country right now, right, of of these car thefts and carjackings. And they're being done by 
12 and 13 and 14 year old kids. I'd like to know how many of those kids whose moms are trying to work, but they're taking public yeah. transportation and they're not getting home till seven o'clock at night. So they have no idea where their kid is between, and they can't afford to pay somebody to watch them because they're making $15 an hour. And it is not the time when I grew up, uh, mom would throw us out and we would be gone until the evening. And then Parents back then would have to have that uh, 10 o'clock warning. It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? That's right. It ain't that kind of world anymore. It's not. It's not. Uh, no. I kind of enjoyed being out. I mean, we we were never home. I mean. No. I was always at the ball field one way or the other. And uh, I mean, yeah. they, my parents knew where we were, but I was, you know, 10, 12, 14 blocks away from home at the ball yard playing basketball yeah. or baseball or whatever season it was. And we, we were did up there. not have... Did not have cell phones. They couldn't track no. you. I mean, it was. And uh, the worst part about it was I was such a klutz, Martin, that I would come home with broken arms, <laughs> stitches, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, you know, I, it, uh, I feel sorry for my wife and my mom. And they're they're different. So that's, <laughs> you know, well, maybe not. They, they both are controlling. We'll leave all that alone. For Maybe we'll have the, the editor cut that out. <laughs> or not. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I'll tell you, this is exciting. And um, what are some of your, you've got uh, 20 that you want to do in the next five years. Uh, what are the, your next steps to get that done? You've got to yeah. raise money. You've yeah. got to find uh, the money. I'm assuming that's it. Or who, how do you find the partners to help you with? Because so, there's another way to do that. Yeah. So we we have national partners on our board of directors. So the National Automobile oh, nice. Dealers Association is on our board. Napa Auto Parts is on our board. The American Corrections yeah. Association, the executive director of the American Corrections Association is on our board. So we have these national partners that we work with. And that right now we're working with some folks in Delaware. Um, they're looking at raising money. So um, they're looking at raising the cost to, to fund the program for the first two years. Um, we're working with some people in, uh, in Minnesota. Um, we're looking at putting some sort of a program. So it doesn't have to be a full-fledged program. For instance, we're working with some folks in Dallas to potentially put virtual reality in the prisons. So How there, cool is that? that would be a vehicles for change program in the prisons, but it's, we don't need to have staff. We, all we have to do is, is, get the virtual reality there. And then we would work with them with our national partners as far as placement for individuals. So we also have other national partners that we work with like um, uh, Precision Tune, which we work with them to help them find uh, technicians when we have training in their particular area. Uh, Napa Auto Parts has 18,000 auto care centers across the country. So for us, if we can get a virtual reality training program in an area and then we can work with that entity that's running the training and help them with the placement. Um, because right now there's more than 80,000 openings for auto technicians across this country and they pay really good money. Oh, absolutely. There's some people in this world you don't want to hack off. Your plumber, your doctor, and your auto mechanic. Because if you that's walk exactly up right. and you're mean to any of those people, you're <laughs> just toast. Yes, and you so are. I, and, you know, I it just is amazing to me that this program is out there, and I apologize. I never heard of you, and I, I just really appreciate, you know, how we got connected and, and yeah. everything else because 
we're going to have all of those sponsors in the show note and uh, on your board members so that people can realize who's taking care of you and your contact information as well. Thank you. Because this to me is uh, an add-on to getting people out of energy poverty. You got to get them to the job. You got to get them into the low cost. I would love this if these were electric vehicles, but you and I were talking, you can't get a charging station in the disproportionately impacted communities. It isn't there. No, Um, no, they're not going to have a way to charge them. Um, You know, they're not going to be able to run an extension cord from their house out to a car. You know, if they're in a high rise facility in the city, um, you know, that's a challenge. If they're living in rural areas, you know, and, and then... If you, if you could get them a car, you still have to pay $2,500 to have a charging station put in your house. Right. Well, they got to decide whether they're going to put a charging station or whether they're going to feed their kids because $2,500 is a pretty big nut. Oh, absolutely. If there's anybody listening to this podcast and you got an idea how to get an EV program in, I think that would be absolutely phenomenal. There may be places for the training because it's kind of like a diesel mechanic. Yeah. Diesel mechanics... You know, I I love diesel mechanics. So, you know, when my dad owned a truck stop, it was kind of like he, they were absolutely gold. Oh, yeah. And and some of our guys have gone diesel. Nice. Um, we have some diesel programs that we work with diesel companies that uh, do repairs. And some of our, they come in and hire our guys, you know, and they say, well, will you teach them? Will you train them in diesel? I said, no. What I'll do is I'll provide you with a great employee who's a really good mechanic. And you train them how to handle, how to do a diesel work. We have guys making a hundred, hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a year, been out of prison. They were incarcerated for twenty years, and four years later, they're making a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a year as a diesel mechanic. And they will always be in high demand. It's not gonna happen now. California, our our beloved governor out in California is. Put a mandate out there to get rid of diesel trucks by, you know, I think 20, 20, 30 or something. And yeah, good luck. I, I think good luck, dude. <laughs> uh, I, I don't I don't get that. So diesel mechanics are going to be around a while. Yeah, they are. And, you know, look, you're even with electric cars and such, people say, well, you know, but you still have brakes. You still have uh, suspension. You still have, you know, all of those basic things that still need work. And so. You know, our guys are still going to be in high demand and there's still there's 300 million cars on the road and only two percent of them are electric right now. So these guys are going to be in high demand for a long time. And we're actually adding um, we're going to be adding uh, uh, EV uh, repair to our virtual reality within the next probably 12 to 18 months. You know what? I'm getting a little irritated, Martin. I keep coming up with these really, really cool ideas, and you're already going, I got this, I got this, I got this. I'm over here going, oh, I am not that smart. I mean, you've already got a lot of this cooking. How hey, man, cool I wake up it? at 2 o'clock in the morning and think of this stuff. Oh, man. I, this is absolutely cool. So your website is vehiclesforchange.org. And yes. they just reach you there either on your LinkedIn or um, I'll have that in the show notes. Is there anything else they can do besides uh, donate a car? I'm assuming that's a tax benefit. 
It is a tax benefit. Uh, if the car goes to a family, it's actually you get to deduct the fair market value. Um, so particularly for those families that are in the Maryland, Virginia, New Jersey area, um, if it's a good car that we can we can uh, put into the program, we do still send a lot of cars to auction. 100% of that money, the proceeds go back into supporting our program. So even if you're in Minnesota and you have a car to donate, right. that money will go back to supporting the families that we serve or go back into our training program to train somebody coming out of prison. So, um, you know, they can do that. We also take cash donations. So if people feel so inclined to make a cash donation, um, you know, uh, if you're if you're still concerned about the legitimacy of our program, CNN did a piece on us. You can still go in on YouTube and search CNN vehicles for change. And you can see our YouTube piece uh, that CNN did about six months ago. Um, so that's fantastic. Yeah, we we were very lucky this past year. We were on the Kelly Clarkson show, so Kelly Clarkson got us a little bit of of national PR, which was kind of fun. Um, so CNN and uh, Automotive News, Voice of America, um, Motor Week. We've gotten a tremendous amount of publicity in this last uh, well, twelve months. We're in 150 countries, so I'm I'm gonna guess that somebody from Mozambique is not gonna call you up for a tax deduction. Yeah, probably not. Hey, but I got an idea, though. Uh, I had one of my cars uh, shipped from Alaska, and it was only like $900. If you have a car and you're in California and you want to get a tax break, because if you're in California, you need a tax break. Or if you're (laughs) in New York, can they ship you a car and then take that shipping fee off their taxes. Is that some, is I don't even begin to think of that, but it would make sense yeah. that you could. I, I'm not sure, but it certainly would make sense that they paid for or that yeah. what they could do is if they want the car shipped here and they want that as a deduction, they right. could they could donate the nine hundred dollars and then we pay for the shipping and then they would certainly be able to take that oh. as a Says the man that has been doing this for 25 years. See, <laughs> here's another example. I'm over here thinking I'm pretty cool. You already got a solution for this. Man, Martin, that, that is because I can see people wanting to donate their cars from all over the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. And if they want and, and shipping isn't bad. I know that we've had cars shipped from as far away as Massachusetts for about $500. So right. you figure, you know, we can get them from. You know, out in uh, in you know probably Alabama, any any anywhere within an eight hour uh, distance right. from Baltimore. Yeah. And then I think you're right. You can ship a car from California for about eleven hundred dollars. Well, if they're gonna go on a U-Haul coming this way, it's about seventeen thousand dollars. If you're going a U-Haul going from your place to California, it's probably free. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to California. I, I am that was a joke for, for you. <laughs> but anyway, well, Martin, thank you so much for stopping by the podcast. I really oh, had uh, outstanding. I hope I hear from you again. And uh, if you ever have any updates, let us know and we will get the word out for you. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we track where our donations come from. So if we start seeing that, you know, donations are coming from all over the country and, uh, you know, they say we heard you on the podcast, uh, we'll certainly let you know if we get a couple cars out of it. Oh, that would be fabulous. 
And if I'm in your area, I'm going to come do a live podcast from your location because this is an important word to get out. So thank well, you. That would be great. You got an opening. Where are you, Stu? Where are you located? Well, I've got three places I migrate between West Texas, Dallas, and my place up in bear country. <laughs> okay. my, my lake house has got a uh, overpopulation of bears. <laughs> oh, my. Well, we're actually working on a program in Houston and in uh, Dallas right now. So uh, I oh. might be out your way. Uh, I, hey, dinner's on me. I would love to see you. Thank That'd you very awesome. much.